Do you feel like you need God's encouragement and wisdom throughout the week to take hold of His promise to fly like an eagle? You come to the right place. Welcome to Eagles on the Hill. Let's join our host, Pastor Jeff Scheich. All right, people, I am your host, Pastor Jeff Scheich. So thanks for joining us on this edition of the podcast. We want to encourage you to be searching for us at Eagles on the Hill on YouTube and hit the subscribe button in the lower right-hand corner. Or you can follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. Encourage that as well. Join us as we follow Jesus and draw strength from him to fly like an eagle. Well, today, as we do the podcast, we are about one year away from our next election cycle, in this case for president, House representatives, many state senators, and of course, many local elections as well. Lots of things coming up to talk about in the next year. But we want to set the scene today for how we think about government, how we think about politics here at Eagles on the Hill, how we come at this from a Christian worldview. Of course, if we're going to come at this from a biblical Christian worldview, we need to read the Bible. So let's take a look at, uh, first of all, a passage from Romans chapter 13. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. St. Paul's writing this as Nero is reigning in the Roman Empire. That's a shocking statement that he writes. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Our authority here in the United States, as we'll reference in a moment, is the Constitution. God has gifted us a uh, far more pleasing authority than he gifted St. Paul. And we need to be very thankful for this constitutional republic that we have here in the United States of America. Verse 2 continues, Consequently, whoever has, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. So we get a sense there of one of the reasons, the uh, major reason that God has instituted government among human beings, and that is to punish those who do wrong and to bless those who do right. The scripture continues in verse 4, For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. There it is, an important part of why God instituted governments. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but as a matter of conscience. That is why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. All right, so that's Romans. Chapter 13 also talks about taxation there. We'll get into that in a moment. So uh, a couple of things to kind of go over here with you. Um, one is to let you know that our Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, has an office of religious liberty uh, located in Washington, D.C. to kind of um, watch out for all things related to religious liberty, particularly the United States and also around the world. I'll give you that uh, address to look that up online. It's www.lcms.org backslash Lutheran dash center dash for F-O-R dash religious dash liberty. And uh, you can check that out online. 
see what's going on there and see how you might interface with that, see that how that might bless you as a, uh, as a person who believes in Jesus and who wants to apply biblical worldview to what we're doing. So uh, just from that, one of the things we want to think about as we elect people in this upcoming election cycle, in any election cycle, is uh, we want to elect those who understand the importance of religious liberty, of religious freedom. It's the part of the First Amendment to our Constitution. So our founders viewed that as very important. God also views it as important that we are free to love Him with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, and with all our mind. And uh, this religious freedom is not just freedom of worship. You'll hear various politicians talk about freedom of worship. That is not what's talked about in our Constitution. We are not just free to worship within our four walls of our church buildings, but we have religious freedom, freedom to live out our religious faith. What else are we going to talk about? What else are we going to think about as we elect people who will govern us? Well, we also want to keep in mind to elect people who understand that the government is God's agent of wrath against the wrongdoer. So we want to elect people who understand the role of government in punishing the wrongdoer. That is not always understood in today's environment. So we want to be careful to elect uh, those over us who understand that, not only domestically, but who understand the role of government internationally. You know, uh, sometimes America is talked about as the world's policeman, and we say, why should we be the world's policeman? We should just uh, focus on America. Well, America, to focus on it first, of course, important, but to focus, focus on it only, that becomes a challenge because if, look at it the reverse way, if America is not the necessarily world's policeman, but if we don't care about what happens around the world, if we don't provide good godly influence for what happens around the world, someone else will step into that leadership vacuum, and likely that someone else will be evil. Think of China. Think of Russia. Think of Iran. Think of North Korea. Think of so many rogue nations out there, nations that do not put faith and trust in God, do not value things that are biblical. So we need to be involved in the world. We also, as we think about who will govern us, want to elect people who understand we talked about taxes in Romans chapter 13, who understand uh, what taxes are for, that taxes are to be used for the common good. That is why uh, what taxes are for. Taxes are not to be used as a way to transfer wealth from one person to another, from one group to another. We talked about that when we dealt with the seventh commandment. You can go back and check out the podcast we did on the seventh commandment. and. Um, there you go. So we want somebody who understands that taxes are to be limited and used for the common good. We also, as we elect people, want to uh, elect people who understand God's gift of life. <clears throat> Foundational, basic. If a person does not understand God's gift of life, human life, from the moment of conception to the moment of natural death, they are likely going to be uh, going to misunderstand many, many other things about life and about governance. And so we want to make sure that those we elect have a biblical understanding, clearly understand that God is the author of life, that each human being is created in the image of God. Now, of course, we're also going to have to elect people 
who not only have this understanding of life, but who understand the limits of politics, that politics is the art of the possible, not always the art of the impossible. And so there's a balance there between an understanding of God as the giver of life from the moment of conception to the moment of natural death, with an understanding of what's possible to accomplish in their particular political office. Same thing would be true with marriage, that uh, the ones we elect, we would pray, would understand that marriage is a gift of God, that marriage is designed by God to be a, the union of one man and one woman for life. And yet also at the same time, understand again that, uh, well, politics is the art of the possible. And so we have Supreme Court rulings that have, uh, for instance, disagreed with uh, God's institution of marriage as the union of one man and one woman for life. And so the person is going to be able to have to function within the realm of our Supreme Court decisions in that area. And yet, perhaps move us in a direction of biblical understanding. The same would be true with issues of sexuality and gender. We would want the person we elect to have a biblical worldview with regard to God's creation of us as male and female, that there are only two genders, that the government exists for the protection of the most vulnerable among us, particularly in this case, as we think about this topic, young children, adolescents, who are being misled and often legally allowed to attempt to change their gender through medication and surgery. Um, this is leading the, the kids down a, uh, a bad path. And so we want to make sure that those we elect understand the role of parents in that process, uh, understand God's gift of male and female. What else we want to think about here? We want to also, as we elect uh, politicians, as we elect those who govern us, understand, and we want them to understand the role of judges, that we are uh, hopefully wanting to elect people uh, who, if they have the ability to appoint judges, particularly in the case of the president, in the case of senators who confirm Supreme Court judges and other judges, uh, that they understand that they should appoint judges who judge fairly, who do not favor the rich, who don't favor the poor, but who judge fairly. That's God's standard in Scripture who understand that we are a constitutional republic. That's God's gift to us. We talked about that in Romans 13, verse 1. And so uh, the Constitution is not a living document that can just be um, molded to whatever a particular judge thinks it should be. I think back to the horrors of life and the time of the book of the judges in the Old Testament, where it says there that at that time, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And so much evil resulted from that. So we don't want judges who just do what's right in their own eyes and who mold and shape the Constitution to believe whatever it says, whatever they think it should be. We want judges who understand that the Constitution has a meaning in its original text and also gives us ways to amend it where we believe it falls short. There's a process for that and who uh, desire and push society to use those processes given to us in our founding. Lots of topics here. Uh, care for the poor, a uh, high uh, value in Scripture. Uh, the Scripture talks about uh, how we need to have a heart of compassion for the poor, um, that people, us individually, need to care for others. We need to elect people who understand that, uh, who understand that uh, God commands individuals, uh, commands His church to care for the poor, 
Um, and so we want governments to put in place laws that will allow us to do that well, who don't misunderstand the scriptures to say that governments should care for the poor, because the only way that governments can care for the poor is through coercion. So we need to um, elect people who understand the biblical view of that. See, these things often are not politics. We say, well, keep politics out of the church. No, these things are all biblical ideas, biblical concepts that we as Christians need to bring into the public square. With regard to race relations, the Bible's clear that every person is created in the image of God. The Bible does not view people as groups, as different races, but as individuals created in God's image. And so we want to elect politicians who will not revive uh, worldly distinctions based on skin color, treat people according to their skin color or background or ethnicity. That's sinful. Uh, we want to prefer candidates who treat everyone as, as Martin Luther King Jr. once famously said, according to their character and not according to the color of their skin. What about the character of those who run for office? Policies aside, what about their character? What part does that play? I remember back in the days of President Clinton, I, along with many Christians, uh, said that he should be kicked out of office for uh, the things he had done because of his bad moral character. And at the same time, I was studying Scripture and seeing um, I was kind of troubled by God's actions with regard to King David. God's actions didn't line up with what I thought should be done. In the case of President Clinton, I looked back at what God did with King David. King David committed adultery, uh, murder, and God could have easily removed him from office, and yet God did not. And I wondered, why didn't God conform to what I thought he should have done? Made me kind of think a little bit about that. Maybe you've also heard the saying, we're not electing a pastor, we're electing a president. And that's true as well. So bottom line, what do we think? Well, I think that all things being equal, we should prefer candidates who have high moral character. But then again, when I'm looking for an orthopedic surgeon, I prefer the best surgeon of low moral character to a surgeon of high moral character who has no idea how to operate. And so too with, for instance, a president or other leader. I'd love to have a person of high moral character who would implement policies according to a biblical worldview. But if I have to choose one or the other, I would choose one, a bottom line, who would implement policies according to a biblical worldview. That's not to say we shouldn't look for someone of high moral character. I think we should. But if we have to choose between the two, that's what I would choose. And I think that's biblical as well. Finally, I want to close with these words of encouragement from 1 Timothy chapter 2. Paul wrote to Timothy, he says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings, and I would add presidents, and governors, and senators, and people in the House of Representatives, and judges, and on and on, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And so as we close today, we want to uh, encourage one another to be in prayer for those who rule over us, who those, those who will be elected in this next election cycle and beyond, that we would be able to live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. That's good and pleases God our Savior who wants all to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Thanks for listening today. We want to encourage you to write us at eaglesonthehill211 at gmail.com 
let us know your thoughts on this podcast or other ideas that you have for future podcasts. Remember that those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength and fly on wings like eagles. Thanks for joining us today on the podcast.